Jesse, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, did you decide to go with the colonized or the decolonized Thanksgiving this year? Um, we are decolonizing Thanksgiving in the single household, which means only BIPOCs are allowed, which means no one will be coming, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually an Onion, an Onion article. It's like <laughs> Iowa family blasted for lack of diversity. Yeah, but it's a Boston family. That seems accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A Jewish Boston family. Although, do you guys count as BIPOC? Lots of questions there. We should we should really get into this. It's so interesting. But, but I think that's like a three-episode arc of whether mm-hmm. Jews are BIPOC. We'll return to that. Yes, we are recording this on Thanksgiving. I'm going with a decolonized meal, which means I will not be peeling the mashed potatoes first. I'm supposed to be making this um, mac and cheese, and I'm just very worried I'm going to screw it up. So you just get the box. Thoughts and prayers. Stir the powder. Bad guy. No, no, no. Come on, come on. We're classier than that. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of holidays, you have a birthday coming up tomorrow. You're 40th. No, I didn't. Really didn't need to bring that up. Well, I did. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Well, so this is a big one. Forty years old, and Jesus I, fucking I, Christ. And I realized this about thirty seconds ago. I remembered it was your birthday, and you are officially going to be old enough to be a great grandfather if you were in Lauren Boebert's family. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get you something. Oh. So I whipped up a gift for you, real quick. Uh, do you mind if I read it? Wait, can I just ask before you read it? Did I completely miss your fortieth? Completely. Or did I? Which is exactly what Jesus. I wanted. What's your birthday? I'm not going to tell you. Then you'll remember well, it. Well, say it, but bleep it out. Say it. No, because this is sucks. This already... <laughs> it's made. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a fragile space. <laughs> I had... Can I tell a very quick story sure. before you give your sure. thing? I had a birthday gathering in... I'm being a diva about this. I had like a gathering in Brooklyn. I'm doing something actually in my hometown tomorrow. Two birthdays. Ooh. Double birthday. Uh, my friend, good high school friend, found my fifth grade yearbook page put it on a cake, which was so much more than I was expecting. And after the joy at seeing my dumb fifth grade face and all the dumb shit I put on my fifth grade yearbook, I immediately got mad because I'm like, how am I, when this guy turns 40, I can't do something this good. I'll be like, here's a gift certificate to Target. Enjoy being 40. T-shirts. You got to find his fifth grade photo, uh, yearbook photo, put him on T-shirts, and then you, we will have bested him. I did I did make the T-shirts for uh another thing for him. So maybe we're even, I'll put the, um, I have a pretty good image of my fifth grade yearbook. I'll put that in the show notes because I know people are so curious. Great. I I imagine that you look exactly like you look now just with the patchier facial hair. Well, actually I had full facial hair in fifth grade. It was like a hormonal thing and then it's gradually fallen, fallen out (laughs) over the years. You had a PCOS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Are you ready for your present? Mm, Probably not. Go ahead. Okay, so I I want you to know, I, I wrote this in 30 seconds. I did this myself. No no help. In the realm of Jesse, where laughter's the prize, a podcast magician with wit in his eyes, gamer by moonlight, cargo shorts <laughs> is attire, at 40 stands setting his life on fire. In the digital realms where pixels ignite, Jesse the gamer's in a virtual fight, a Celtics jersey, his armor comfortable and true, conquering challenges old and the new. As 40 arrives, a milestone so grand... Jesse, the captain of this live stream land, his Jew fro swaying in the winds of delight, gamer and podcaster embracing the night. May your 40s be filled with joy and with ease. Also, please stop breathing so heavy into the microphone. It may be your birthday, but it gives me the creeps. (laughs) Happy birthday, Jesse. I wrote that myself. (laughs) That's actually very sweet, Katie. I appreciate it. I was actually at a Celtics game last night, so you really captured me. Um, Yeah, put that in the show notes so people can read it. I, I hope people will spend this 
long holiday weekend reading that back and forth to one another as many times as possible. Do you want to know how I really got that poem in 30 seconds? G chat GPT. Chat GPT, but I gave it I gave it keywords. I said cargo shorts, podcast, gamer, Drew Fro, podcast wait, I already said podcaster. And the last line I wrote myself. I look, it's the thought that counts and you put moderate thought into this, which which is <laughs> appropriate. Look, I opened a new tab and logged in. I also did some editing. Very good. I appreciate it. I hope you do put that in the show notes. Because um on this almost a day of my birthday. Can I run one idea by you that I think you're not going to like, but I'm really excited about? Okay. It's an idea for a new segment. I was at the Southwest game last night. When I'm not in Boston, I can't go to Southwest games. I pay. I paid $99 for a streaming package that lets me watch the Celtics and other teams everywhere. $99, that's, like, that's a lot of money. What I realized is if you allow me to spend 30 seconds an episode talking about what I've watched that week basketball-wise, it becomes a tax write-off, and we would only need to do this. Hold on, hold on. Before you say no, let me look at the calendar. December, January, February, March, April, May. We would only need to do this for the next 50 episodes or so. How do you feel about that? um, That's a no, but I think that you should do it in your newsletter. On this, (laughs) every newsletter. By the way, so on this, mere whatever the fuck, 13 hours and 20 minutes from a milestone birthday, I make a simple request for you that would only affect the next 50 episodes of this podcast and have nothing to do with the rest of our content. And you're going to say no to me as I'm about to turn 40. This is what you do. Jesse, I wrote you a poem. That was your present. You get one present. Don't be grievy. <laughs> your chat, open AI wrote me, open AI, which has plenty of other stuff going on, wrote me that poem. That's way more thoughtful that open AI had the time to take uh, yes. a busy schedule of imploding and then de- deploding. Yes, I put in, I, I asked it to write a poem for you and it just wrote back. We're busy. Katie, what is the name of this? increasingly middle-aged podcast. This is Boxing Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single. And today, I'm going to talk about the background behind an article I wrote for Unheard. It's actually a pretty crazy story. But first, you have some stuff you wanted to talk about. I do. So first of all, I have a slight correction. Do you remember on the last show? Do you remember the last show? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the last show, we spoke about uh, AGP Gates. You remember that? Mm-hmm. The blue dress. And I mentioned on the show, I was talking about how this, how gender issues have driven some people to the right, some former leftists. And I said, I, as an example, I, I use Megan Murphy. Uh, and I said that she was a Trump supporter and a right winger. Well, Megan Murphy has my phone number and she texted me and she took issue with that. <laughs> this is the problem with talking about people who listen to the show on the show. She said, FYI, I'm not a right wing or a Trump supporter. I said, Oh, I thought I heard you on Joe Rogan saying that you were a Trump supporter. And here's what she said. I think the guy is a jerk and a misogynist and a bully and runs in on ego, but as a president, I think he actually did some not-so-bad things and actually a couple of good things. I could agree with that. I, the, the number of things that he did good, I could count on one hand, but there there are a few. She continued, maybe like a month before the last election, I determined that were I to vote in an American election, which she hasn't, she's Canadian, I would vote for Trump over Biden in large part because Biden thinks men can be women. I'm not sure if Biden actually thinks that as much as he just like repeats. He's like probably very confused by all of the culture war stuff and he just repeats what his grandchildren tell him. Biden Biden at this point is like a very early version of ChatGPT. Yeah, Biden actually thinks that men can be women because he has dementia and not because he's woke. Is is um is she slicing the salami? I guess that's a poor choice of pun here. Or, or saying, <laughs> is she slicing the salami? Is she slicing the penis? <laughs> too, is she slicing the penis too thin here? She's like, 
I never said I was a Trump supporter. I just said I would vote for Trump. <laughs> she might have been. Uh, she says that she likes Andrew Yang. She like, likes RFK Jr., Tulsi Gabbard. Hey, and then hey, in terms of... <laughs> Megan. <laughs> again, hey, she, again, she's Canadian. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> she's very smart. People just... I think people get cr- driven crazy by gender stuff. Uh, she says... As far as my political leanings go, I feel like I'm nowhere, not right, not left, not libertarian, just nothing, independent. She agrees non-binary. with some, non-binary. She agrees with some right-wing positions, other libertarian positions. She supports things like gay rights, of course, social housing, etc. Uh, so she's in that position that I think a lot of our listeners are probably in where they don't know what the fuck they are because all the, the two options that we have are kind of shitty. Mm, I mean, that's not my position, but we don't need to get into that. It's almost my birthday. Um, I have one sort of clarification, which is I mentioned the detransitioner last week who was upset about Phil Illy. You can just go back and listen to the episode. Um, And then I mentioned someone giving a talk about affirmation versus validation. Apparently, that was the same person. So I should just make that clear. Wait, what? The person who said who was upset and did the voice thing about Phil Illy being at the conference was also the person who gave the talk about affirmation versus validation, which I mentioned on the episode. Oh. I treated them as two separate people. Not a big deal. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. I am not going to be going back and listening to that episode. But Jesse, let's start today, since it's a holiday, since an e- it's an eating holiday, let's start today with a little amuse-bouche. Mm-hmm. A listener sent me a link to an article on the publication Engadget with the headline, Self-proclaimed gay furry hackers breach nuclear lab. Okay. Boring so far. <laughs> Go on. I mean, throw a daisy chain in there, and this is possibly yeah. the most bar pod story possible. So Engadget reports that this group, hacker group called Siege Sect, uh, they hack the Idaho National Laboratory and access employee data like social security numbers, addresses, etc. cetera. Uh, they, they leaked this. They posted it on whatever hacking site that they use. A hacking site. I don't know what it's called. They, they posted it somewhere and then they accompanied it with this note. We're willing to make a deal with the Idaho National Laboratory. If they research creating IRL cat girls, we will take down this post. <laughs> oh my God. This is true. Uh, I saw it. I saw the post and the leak. They've also been targeting Israel and posted this. Meow, meow. And then there's some like little emoji things. We have unleashed mass attacks on Israeli infrastructure, including but not limited to Global navigational satellite system receivers, building automation and control networks, mod bus industrial control systems. All of these attacks have the potential to shut down industrial machines, critical infrastructure, and more. These attacks have been carried out in collaboration with at ex-anonymous Sudan. We are actively working on more attacks. Stay tuned, little uh, cat emoji. But is there any evidence that they did anything to Israel? I just this is a legit hacker group. Like they hacked NATO a few times in the last couple of months, according to Engadget. They quote commonly attack government and affiliated organizations for political reasons, like targeting state governments for passing anti-trans legislation earlier this year. This is a legit hacking group. I, uh, they also sorry what? No, I'm just I know, but like Israel's pretty hardcore about this stuff. I guess I'm saying I'm not. I don't deny that they could do something to Israel. I'm just, I'm a little bit skeptical that they actually like, that we should take their word for it, that they actually pulled off X or Y or Z, but that might be beside. Well, Israel does not seem to be slowed down at all by their, by their potential hacking. Well, there's no way to, I mean, there's really no way to know, but. You know, Jesse, I know it's your birthday, but 
Really, you gotta you gotta be Zionist on this podcast right now. I, it's my birthday. I want to antagonize a hacker group that goes after people seen as <laughs> anti-trans. Smart move. It's also, of course, Jesse goes for the Zionists over the gay furry hackers. Ugh. There was there was a a really important moment of uh, light in the Israeli Gaza conflict, and no, I don't mean the ceasefire and hostages. I mean someone did a tweet about it that was actually good. Which was the tweet? I don't remember who it was, but it was basically like. Anyone who denies that Hamas uh, has tunnels from the basements of these hospitals is really downplaying the extent to which men love tunnels. <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> so this was uh, this was Shauna, whose last name I can't remember, but the libertarian who also is very fond of weasels, sloths, some sort of animal. Dude, tunnels are awesome. When I saw those videos from the Israelis, yes. I was like, okay, say what you will about Hamas. They're awesome at tunnel building. Similarly, on my Israel propaganda trip, they took us to the north to a Hezbollah tunnel that was discovered. It was a great tunnel. I'm sorry. Like this idea that I'm going to pretend these tunnels aren't cool for political reasons. That's not what the show is about. Okay, Jesse, you just started World War Three in the comments because now people are going to be fighting about who actually built the tunnels. Israel built the tunnels. They're going to say this. This is all. This is all going to play out in the comments. You did this. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Okay, anyway, continuing about the gay furry hackers. So they organize on Telegram, and I couldn't access it because I use iOS and Apple. Because you're a girl. Apple is very censorious. When I tried to access it, I got a message saying this group can't be displayed because it is used to spread pornographic content. But Trace, our furry friend, was naturally able to access it. He has a special phone for furries. And at the moment he was in there, I don't think he spent very much time in there, but they were. I'm imagining a phone that just like grows its own fur <laughs> and you have to like shave it once in a while. And that disgusts yeah, I like me. That. Continue. Uh, they were at that moment, sadly, not organizing any forthcoming attacks on Israel or anyone else, but they were discussing politics. They don't like Obama or Biden. They also don't like Trump. And someone said, what if the presidency were decided through boxing matches, which is, of course, just a, such a ridiculous Question, obviously RFK would win. Well, No question. Between the people who are actually going to be candidates, I hate to say it, but I think it would be a pathetic affair, but I think Trump would really destroy Biden. I don't know. Biden, uh, he, wait, he's like from Delaware, right? He's scrappy. Corn Pop? Didn't he? Well, he learned from yeah, Corn Pop. Yeah, he hit Corn Pop with a chain. Wait, did he really? Wasn't wasn't that the story? <laughs> I just look for any excuse to say Let's corn not pop. look that up. Don't. All right, Jesse, next appetizer. Yep. There have been when you when you do it, isn't it more of an amuse douche? You should have used that joke a little while ago. Damn it! Okay, so there have been a new wave of cancellations in the <laughs> Israel Hamas conflict. Susan Sarandon was dropped by UTA after saying that Jews in America finally know what it's like to be Muslim. Hold on, hold on. Let me think about that for a minute. Jews in America finally know what it's like to be Muslim. Does that? I mean, I, I do not doubt uh, the existence of Islamophobia, but in terms of like hate crime statistics, isn't there one group clearly winning in terms of being attacked the most? As with many metrics, Jews do overperform. <laughs> <laughs> we have such high IQ that we figured out a way to get assaulted on the streets more, basically. <laughs> Uh, the actress Melissa Barrera was fired from Scream 7. Did you know that there was a Scream 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6? I, I was going to say, I probably, if you'd asked me how, what Scream are we on, I would have said three. Yeah, no, nope. seven. seven. Wow. Here's what she posted on Instagram. Quote, Western media only shows the one side. Why do they why they do that? I will let you deduce for yourself. I guess she forgot to put the three parentheses around the words one side. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, so it it 
does sound anti-Semitic when she phrases it like that. I should also mention, however, that she said, we don't need more hate, no Islamophobia, no anti-Semitism. So it's possible she's just a moron. I think that's highly likely. We just need we need an extended grace period where no one is losing work for dumb tweets that aren't like explicit. Gas the Muslims yeah. or gas the Jews. Yeah. Just just everyone chill the fuck out. But more importantly, for our the main cancellation of the day, a friend of the pod, Syra Rao, proudly announced that no. she was dropped by her agent, she and Regina, her partner Regina Jackson, a dramatic agent at CAA. She tweeted that that they were canceled for quote our words denouncing genocide. This is McCarthyism on steroids and ethnic cleansing. We are disgusted but not shocked. Hashtag free Palestine. So what happened is that they were apparently in talks. They had an agent to a dramatic agent to help them with these negotiations to produce an odd, an off Broadway play based on race to dinner. Oh no, that's that's that would be a that's war a hate crime. crime. <laughs> that's genocide. Yeah, and so race to dinner. For people who don't know, it's these struggle sessions they put on where white women pay them thousands of dollars to get berated in their own home about how racist they are for saying things like, I don't see color. And then when they cry, they get berated twice as much. I think they actually maybe have to leave the room when they cry. Uh, and this was apparently going to be turned into an actual off, 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 off Broadway theater production. Uh, so Westward, this is an outlet in Colorado, reported that there were a few specific posts that led to them getting dropped by their agent, quote, Zionists are starting to panic that more and more of the world sees them for the bloodthirsty genocidal ghouls that they are. Okay, that's, uh, <laughs> do you think, like, okay, so there is a thing called Zionist, which is belief in yes. the Jewish state. I, I don't think any, it's inherently bad to criticize Zionism, honestly, but there's also a long history of Zionists just being, like, Jews. Like, people say well, a Zionist plot. What she just said sounded like a fucking anti-Semitic garbage. That, that is true. Although I will also say, like, there are a lot of Christians who are Zionist. My in-laws, my evangelical know, Christians are, are very, that's very Zionist. Think very we need, Zionist. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but that's because they think we need to control some, like, particular ancient piece of brick and then Jesus will come down. And yes. It's bizarre. <laughs> but when people, bizarre. like, when people use the term Zionist, Zionist ghouls, to me, that's where you get into really creepy territory. Okay, here's what else she wrote. So she wrote that on threads. This is another example their agent cited. Can you imagine being so obsessed with land and power and money that you murder newborns to obtain this stuff? She posted that on X. And another one read, call me a terrorist, call me anti-Semitic, call me whatever you want. I am not committing genocide. You are. I am not condoning genocide. You are. This is extremely typical Syrah Rao content. She's been tweeting that Israel is committing genocide and ethnic cleansing since at least 2019. She is careful. I, I didn't search her, her threads, but I did search her tweets. She is careful to, to di- differentiate between Jews and Zionists. She said nothing about Jews committing genocide, just Zionists and the nation of Israel. And I was kind of surprised to see that nearly all of her tweets about Jews are about like how America hates Jews and Trump hates Jews and attacks on Jews. Like after the Tree of Life massacre, she said, I stand with Jews. Wow, that she was really, brave. Right. She really saves her abject racism for white people. I mean, but okay. Yeah, we don't what? we don't need to get no, no, it's just like there's a um if you refer to Zionists as Zionists, as as bloodthirsty ghouls, that's not that different from anti-Semitism because Zionist obviously has to include everyone who lives in Israel. There aren't really a lot of anti, like it's just, again, I, I can't emphasize enough that I was like, there are members of my extended family who really hate how 
ostensibly pro-Palestinian I am. But like the Zionist talk gets really creepy and you need to be careful with it. Um, but I guess she, she right. But I'm saying that her explicit racism, she really does save that for white people. Like th- this is a, t- a tweet from earlier this week. I know, but that, but but no one of the no one of the hardly anyone on the left says anything about Jews per se. It's much more coded. Than let me that. just read you her. Okay. Let me just read you her tweets about white Fine. people. This is from earlier this week. What it truly and really feels like is white people wanting all black and brown people dead, murdered, live streamed, children, elderly, or pets, all of us. Here's another one. If white women showed up to save their kids from guns like they are for this Barbie movie, guns would be banned by Sunday. Never has it been so clear that white people expect black and brown people to accept white violence with a nod, a smile, a please, and thank you. We don't kiss your white ass. We are angry. We dare to call you out. We are terrorists. White people's racism is infinite. White people truly expect black and brown people to live beneath them forever, as if white supremacy, eugenics, is a universal truth. Thinking about how so many white Americans are desperate to have three, four, or five kids, but they don't care if their kids are safe from guns and if there will be a planet for them to inhabit. There are dozens of these tweets. Dude, this is all, it's a scam. It's a scam. The whole thing is a scam to get her attention and to get the small subset of women who will pay for her services. It is, but the fact that her agents, this agency was apparently fine with these very, very racist tweets until right. now. I mean, like, this is a woman whose business model is racist. Is racist. Her, her whole business model is about intimidating white women into paying her thousands of dollars to berate them. Will this affect her ability to host my birthday dinner tomorrow night as planned? <laughs> I don't think she cares about white men, Jesse, just white women. Um, so the other thing is that she's absolutely thrilled about this. It seems like she, this is a quote from the article uh, in Westward. Rao tells Westward she knows she is on the right side of this conflict and she stands beside, behind her words. Quote, what is funny about CAA and all these people is that they think they're doing something clever here, but guess what? Black and brown people are never going to forget the employers, the companies, the institutions that did this to us, she says. We dump you. We have no de- interest in being represented by a pro-genocide agent. So this is great for her. She gets to be both a hero and a victim. And now she doesn't have to do a fucking stupid play. You can't fire me. I quit after you fired me. Yes. Yes. Do pe- do so- these people all think that it's like like all white Israelis on one side and brown Palestinians on the other? Is that actually their understanding of the conflict? I'm sure. I mean... Because it doesn't take a lot of Googling to, to debunk that. And again, we think race is stupid, but that this isn't that's not how anything works over there in the Middle East. Right. Like I would love to see Syrah Rao confronted by an Ethiopian Jew, how she would possibly deal with that. It would just be cognitive dissonance. Yeah, not, yeah, and that's a relatively small group, but there's a much larger group of, of Jews who have like basically in Israel who have like basically the same ancestry as the I mean, I, I don't know about haplogroups groups or whatever, but they're they're not white. They're not white. They were Jews who fled other Middle Eastern countries when Israel was founded. It's just so stupid to paste American racial politics, which is the only thing she has onto this. I I just feel dirty having talked about Sarah Rao this much, to be honest. She's such a, um, she's a scam artist. You're calling an Indian woman dirty. (laughs) Untouchable. She, she will be, (laughs) she will be at your house by dinner. That'd be so fun to host a like milestone birthday dinner double it up with race to dinner and try to combine celebrating your birthday with like the race talk and then record it and put it on YouTube. I hope she doesn't have Thanksgiving plans. We need to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Katie on that? Not for me. All right. Should we do housekeeping? Let's do it. I can do housekeeping. 
All right, do it. All right, the Hornets edge the Wizards, one seventeen <laughs> to one fourteen. No, uh, the Magic, I'm this. Uh, the I'm Magic, this. who are off to a strong start, one twenty four to one nineteen, despite Nikola Jokic's triple double, thirty thirteen to twelve. You can't cut Stop. this. I was under thirty seconds. I'm done. We are blocked and reported. We are a podcast. We like making things tax deductible. Blockedandreported.org. If you sign up for just five dollars a month or more, you get three extra episodes of this podcast every month. That is not tax deductible, unfortunately. Maybe we should just incorporate it as a charity. We'd have to have a board, so no. Oh God, I don't want to do a board. Uh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever it's called. Where we are presently at a hopefully still at four point seven. Yeah, the greatest birthday present of all would be getting us to a four point eight. So please do that. I thought the greatest birthday present of all was my poem. Mm, sorry. Second greatest birthday present Thank of you. all would be 4.8. And then check out our subreddit, blockedreported.reddit.com. You can uh, reach us with your ideas for stories or complaints or chat GPT generated birthday poems at blockedreportedpodcast at gmail.com. Anything else for housekeeping, Katie? Blockedreported.org. Blockedreport.org. All right, Jesse, so I saw you had a little article come out this week. A wee little article, yes. It's in Unheard. It's one you and I have been talking about for a while or a subject we have. It's about Andrea James. I think we've only talked about her on a Primo episode in the past. She's the best friend of the pod, for sure. Uh, Remind everyone who she is. Other than the podcast, single best friend. We all have bracelets. Uh, As is often (laughs) the case, the long version is you should read Galileo's Middle Finger by Alice Drager. Mm -hmm. She goes into a lot of depth about Andrea James' history a lot. Anyone who's interested in this podcast should read that book anyway. We'll include a link. We'll also link to a long, long open access academic article that uh, Alice Drager wrote that includes a lot of stuff about James from back in the day. Okay. But basically what happened was Back in 2003, Michael Bailey, psychologist at Northwestern, publishes a book called The Man Who Would Be Queen, The Science of Gender Bending and Transsexualism. Uh, One interesting thing I remembered about this controversy as I was prepping the segment was that someone, I think it was Drager, but don't quote me on this, thought the cover was tasteless. And I agree. It was Drager. I I agreed at the time, but I'm trying to, Katie, describe the cover, which I put in the show notes, and then tell me what you think. Um, It's a photo of male feet in uh, in high heels. How do you know they're male? How do you know they're male? How do you know they're male? Because I have a PhD in human biology. It's either a male or like a really jacked woman because you see the... um, What's that called? Not the thigh. What's the back of the called? Calves. Calves. Those are some good (laughs) calves. I don't know body parts. Um, I don't, you know, unless you, you're you saying there's something gross or salacious about a male person wearing female clothes, I'm not quite sure this is offensive. I think it sort of captures the theme of the book. This is something that I've sort of dealt with on my own when I was working at The Stranger. I don't remember what I was, I, I, it might have been on working on a piece about prostitution like specifically about like trans sex workers and some legislation somewhere and i chose just the stock this is pre pre uh, ai images so i chose just the stock image from whatever source that we use that was basically this so you're saying you because it was pre ai images you weren't able to do the super high quality images exactly. you use for the podcast now okay <laughs> i wasn't able to take a to ask it to create a picture of jesse single wearing a dress walking a, walking out on aurora avenue in seattle uh yeah, so I chose like a stock image that was basically the same as this. It's a picture of a of a like male legs in high heels and was told by my editor at the time like we can't use this trans people find this offensive. So I think there's a couple things going on. One, trans people find it offensive and two, some trans people. And two, it's trite. Yeah. 
you know, stock image, which was probably the cover of this, whoever made the cover of this book in 2003 probably wasn't thinking of offending people because it was 2003. But it's also true that this is a, it's overdone. Yeah. It's hard to like illustrate this subject or to do book covers, but right. anyway, in his book, Bailey- you should, ha- Next time, next time, Mike, if you're listening to this, just do a picture of a penis in high heels. Yeah, that would be way better. Or just like just different- two dicks. Severed body parts, maybe. Mm-hmm. We can, I bet our listeners can come up with some good ideas. Anyway, in the book, Bailey popularized, helped to popularize the theory of autogynophilia, which comes from Ray Blanchard, a Canadian sex researcher. We talked about it last episode. Uh, we did not intend to have two consecutive episodes on the subject, I promise, but, but the gist is that uh, autogynophilia means love of oneself as a woman. The theory is that there's a subset of males who are sexually aroused by the prospect of being a woman or becoming a woman. Some of them transition as a result. Uh, there are some people who themselves say they're autogynophiles. Again, listen to the last episode. Even just since then, I've heard from someone I know in real life who revealed in an email he believes he has some of these inclinations. I, I might try to talk to him further. I'm very curious about his experiences. That being said, there's a subset of trans activists who really, really hate this theory. They find it pathologizing or sexualizing, um, and they really, really hated the man who would be queen. Alice has a, has a passage in her book that I'm not going to quote exactly because I don't remember, but it was something about how trans activists, and Alice has, herself has a history of working with intersex activists, so she came yeah. to this issue uh, sort of in a more critically, I think, probably more skeptical of Mike Bailey in the beginning of the book than she was by the time she reported this out. Uh, but she has this passage in the book about how, how trans activists wanted to move the pr- public perception of them from the bedroom to the kitchen to desexualize the idea of, of what it is to be a transsexual. This ties very neatly into what, um, the earliest adult gender clinicians in America were doing in the 60s and 70s, which was history I didn't really know about when I first wrote about this stuff. They basically made sure the first trans women, because it was, it was mostly women who wanted to transition, trans women, males to females, um, they made sure that on the other side of transitioning, they would be these very femme, very traditional women who would marry and sleep with men, who would be housewives. Mm-hmm. That's been the goal, to just be like, no, look, they're, they're really women or they can play the part of women. And early clinicians would like considered there to be true transsexuals and then transvestites, people who were turned on by it. True transsexuals were not turned on by dressing up in women's clothes. They really, they felt they were women. Transvestites were different. They were males who were turned on, but they didn't want to like become a woman. So these differences have always mattered and always been very politically loaded because from these early clinicians perspective, they want the, the glossy PR version of transgender medicine to be look, we can produce real women who will be gender normative and all that. So I think this is just a lot of the same debates get recycled and onogynophilia was just like the latest iteration of that maybe. Yeah, if you look at photos of Christine uh, Jorgensen or Jorgensen, I don't really know how to pronounce this. This was a a former military man who was who transitioned in I think the 1940s or 50s? 50s. 50s? And she was, she became world famous. Um, and she got the first sort of public sexual reassignment surgery in 1952. If you look at photos of her, I wouldn't quite say that she passes. I'm sure that the, uh, facial feminization surgery is, was not in the 1950s, what it is now, but she is certainly trying to. Pass. I mean, I feel weird, like judging someone. She, I don't know. I think she looks pretty ladylike. She was referred to as like a blonde bombshell or something on one of the major yeah. New York daily. So yeah, she was like, she was one of the first like real celebrity trans people. And, and she was gender conforming. Yeah, very feminine. That, that was who they were. And they would not let you transition often. 
there was like a overwhelming ratio of demand to supply for transgender surgery. And if you wanted to get through those doors, you had to be like, no, I'll be a pretty lady who acts in a feminine manner. You couldn't come out the other edge like a short haired lesbian. <laughs> it, it was really a lot of this um, explains trans people's present distrust of the medical system. Cause it was, it was, it was doctors who did not have personal skin in the game, who had a very particular idea of how you had to act in order to transition. Right. And there was a lot of gatekeeping, like not even that long ago, yeah. you had to live as the gender that you wanted to be. So for most people, this would have been a, a male living as a woman uh, for, was it two years, three years? I think it depended. Often it was like a two-year okay. so-called real-life test, and it varied from doctor yes. to doctor and place to place. There were also a lot of trans- And this would be before you were given actual- Surgery. Actual surgery. Or hormones. Is that right? I think it really depended, because there were also- okay. um, Part of the problem with all the gatekeeping was like- there were these unscrupulous doctors in other countries where like if you had the money, they would give you surgery so you could fly to like- Thailand? Well, some of them were good. I think Morocco was mm. a major destination. One of the arguments the American psychiatrists made, who it was mostly psychiatrists talking about this, was like, look, these are people who are desperate to get the surgery. They're going to get it somewhere. Right. Do we want them to get it in some back alley place in Mexico City or do, do we want to be – anyway, all of which is to say that um, – the reaction to autogynephilia, there's some history there, partially explaining it. But there's unsurprisingly a subset of trans activists who really, really, really hate this book. The man who would be queen, they launched this campaign against Michael Bailey that gets very intense, and they do basically everything they can to discredit him, including accusations of mistreating his subjects, because he spent a lot of time hanging out with trans and gender nonconforming people for his book and included some of their stories. They accuse him of research misconduct. And on and on and on. It's an all-out assault on his career and reputation. One of the participants in this is a trans woman named Andrea James, a film producer and activist who's been very online for a long time. One of her websites dates back to 1999. She's long used the internet for people seeking to pursue a uh, medical transition. So as part of her campaign against Bailey, she posts photos of his minor children on her website, one with a caption calling his daughter, who was like six or eight at the time, a, quote, cock-starved exhibitionist, end quote. She also wrote that there, quote, are two types of children in the Bailey household, uh, dot, 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 those who have been sodomized by their father and those who have not, hmm. end quote. She's, so this is disgusting, despicable stuff to write about someone's children. Hold that thought. She's also really into like enemies lists and charts. So at one point she makes this big chart of how she thinks all these anti-trans journalists and academics are connected. Some of the sex researchers in question print it onto a shirt and wear it with some degree of pride. They view it as like very crazy. It's just, just these different lines connecting different people. Ray Blanchard told me like the gender clinician closest to him didn't even think people should be allowed to transition. So he's like, how did she come up with this method? Why am I right next to this person when I think some people should transition? Um, so Andrea James, from very early on in this century, develops a reputation as a really obsessive and vindictive person. Yeah, and there's she's not the only one. Is the lame Lynn Conway going to come up later, Jesse? Yep, she will. Okay, there are there are a number of characters. All of this is detailed in Alice's book. Once again, just read it. You just got to read the book. Yeah. Read the fucking book. And it's, Guys, it's my birthday. <laughs> read the book. Read the book. Uh, yeah, so there's a number of characters who all banded together to try to take Bailey down. And they failed. They, <laughs> and they failed, I, I would guess, well, in part. Well, here's the thing about Bailey. He's not the sort of person who is going to shut the fuck up 
He's not. He was like, it's not that he's out of fucks. He never had fucks right. to give. If your goal is to intimidate someone into silence, it's going to fail with Michael Bailey. Yeah, he's like, he, he has no filter, sometimes to his own detriment. But uh, it, yeah, he's, he's, he's in his own right, a very interesting character and interesting figure in uh, sex research. Apparently his class at Northwestern was legendary because like he'd have these optional um, after class <laughs> things where he'd like bring in like drag queens and sex toys and stuff. Uh, yes. I have a friend who took it. Um, so... Alice Drager, as mentioned, medical historian, then at Northwestern herself. She's got background in intersex activism and medical ethics more broadly. She decides to look into this whole controversy. In the aforementioned very long article and in her book, she digs deep. She basically finds this giant coordinated defamation attempt against Bailey on a small group of trans women. I know it sounds like I'm hedging and throat clearing, but whenever we talk about this stuff, we should acknowledge that we're talking about a small subset of a much bigger activist movement that has plenty of good and decent people in it. There was very little there in terms of the accusations against Bailey. That's what Drager found. There was a great deal of dishonesty and distortion. This sort of foreshadowed some of the smear campaigns that would occur in the late 2010s and For sure. 2020s against those accused of bigotry, many of which we've covered on the show. Uh, we'll include a link to a 2007 New York Times article by Benedict Carey about this controversy. So, Drager effectively defends Bailey and, and Blanchard, for the most part. Um, Andrea James does not like this. So, there's this... You expand outward, Andrea James hates person A. Person B comes along and defends person A because Andrea James acts in an intense and erratic way. Andrea James then turns her attention to person B because person B defended person A. Person C comes along, defends person B. Andrea James then turns her attention to person C. So anyone who defends anyone who defends anyone who Andrea James targeted will become a target of, of Andrea James, as we'll see. So... James turns on Drager. She really goes after Alice Drager. Uh, Andrea James is invited to give a talk at Northwestern at one point, and Drager publishes a blog post. I think this is 2006, saying she shouldn't be allowed to speak there. That would have been an interesting controversy for us to have covered at the time if we'd been like 20 years younger and if podcasts had really existed back then. Did podcasts exist 2006? Uh, yeah, I think they did, but they were on tape. Oh, uh, eight tracks. Yeah. Okay, if you'll forgive me, I'll just read from my own article here just to speed things up and get to sort of the main point. Quote, after she published her blog post, Drager described in an update how James sent a series of hostile emails, including one referring to her five-year-old son as a, quote, precious womb turd, end quote. Quote, she also came to my department office. How did she find out Alice's pet name for her son? (laughs) She also came to my department office. I was not there and then emailed me. Subject line, mommy knows best, saying, sorry, I missed you the other day. Your colleagues seem quite affable and not as fearful as you, dot, dot, dot. Bad move, mommy, dot, dot, dot. We'll chat in person soon. Katie, if you or I showed up at the office of an academic with which we were feuding and left them a threatening note saying we'll chat in person soon, what would everyone call that? We would be called harassers, stalkers, genocide, or settler colonizers. <laughs> we would definitely be called stalkers because this, <laughs> is this not stalking behavior? It's stalking. It's stalking. That's the word I was looking for. So let me get to the point here. Andrea James' behavior is extremely well known. If you Google Andrea James, and Googling will become a big part of the story, you will see that she has acted in a despicable way to a lot of people. She has this vindictive and obsessive streak and this real tendency to go after people personally. I think that's part of the reason why when I started writing about youth gender transition in 2015 or so, the only context in which Andrea James' name came up was the Michael Bailey controversy. Other trans activists and LGBT groups did not point me in her direction. If memory serves, they'd say talk to Julia Serrano, Parker Malloy, Bryn Tannehill, 
not Andrea James. Was that your experience when you reported on this stuff? Yeah, I don't think Andrea James has a particularly good reputation within activist circles. No, and that's not even because they disagree with her on the merits, especially when it comes to like autogynophilia and Michael Bailey. I think it's because they realize she does not reflect well on their movement. I'm speculating here, but I she people do not say talk to her. Um, but then in 2019, suddenly Andrea James is getting some attention again. Attention and money. That's what my unheard story is about. So in 2018, uh, as we may have mentioned 80 septillion times on this podcast, I had a cover story in The Atlantic about the youth gender transition controversy. It made some people very mad. Andrea James was perhaps maddest of all. And what did she do? So she has a tendency toward really overheated language. She said my article was, quote, one of the most disgraceful moments in American journalism this century, end quote. (laughs) To be fair, it is the first part of the century. It is. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of bad journalism yet to come. She printed those words on a Kickstarter she launched about a year after my article came out called The Transphobia Project. The idea behind The Transphobia Project was slightly unclear, but it appeared to be a data science initiative, uh, an attempt to track transphobes and their affiliations. So a, a shit list. A shit list, but but with modern technology. So everyone would get something she called a T-index, which I guess was sort of supposed to indicate how sus they were. Oh, I thought it meant how, what their T-levels were. Uh, yeah, I would have a very low T-index. <laughs> yeah. Yours would be through Once the roof, high, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was weird, and, and it was itself suspect, this project, because you could read her page, her fundraising appeal, very closely and come away quite confused about how any of this would work. So, quote... Anytime someone publishes media on these topics, a score called a T-index is generated for that work. That T-index also gets applied to the creator, any co-authors or editors, the platform where it appeared, and the organizations that support that platform, dot, dot, dot. Those with a high T-index become more prominent on the chart, end quote. So this is, this is confusing because what does it mean to say the T-index gets applied not only to the creator, but to anyone with any associations with it. Like James herself admits that appearing on the chart alone doesn't mean someone's transphobic. She includes in this fundraising appeal a mock-up of what the final product will look like. Bears a little resemblance to her old uh, enemies list slash chart. And so what is the goal here? The goal seems to be, at least this struck me as obvious as someone who is familiar with Andrea James' work, to attack the reputations of anyone who publishes anything Andrea James disagrees with, but to do that with a veneer of like capital S science. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, and she also wants to get people fired for writing about trans issues in a manner which displeases her. She's explicit about that. She writes with evident excitement that her page, quote, will help us identify and expose bias and maybe even get a few people fired along the way, exclamation Nice. It's very exciting. She should have inserted a few emojis there so we could tell how happy she is exactly so as i point out in my unheard article this is 2018 liberals are freaking out about how trump is attacking journalists trying to get them harassed and fired this website explicitly has the same goal but remarkably a subset of liberals not only fail to criticize the transphobia project they celebrate it and they help promote it Kickstarter includes it in their featured project section on its homepage. Something called Kickstarter Magazine writes a puff piece on it. Axios, which is a very big outlet, does its own puff piece by Ina Freed, a respected tech journalist who is herself trans. The headline, exclusive, using data to track transphobia in media. Exclusive, Katie, they got the exclusive. Whoa. There's uh, there's some other, a little bit of other coverage too. Uh, even though a 30 second Google search will reveal that Andrea James has engaged in really terrible actions in the past, 
surrounding her activism and is at least arguably a literal stalker. None of these articles mention any of this and none of them, none of the journalists behind them reach out to me, even though James has explicitly said I'm the inspiration for the transphobia project. So it's basically a bunch of press releases. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to have a positive effect on James. As I write in my unheard piece quote, probably partly because of this coverage, James fundraising was successful. 252 backers provided her with $23,302 more than 10 times her $2,000 goal. The estimated delivery date still visible on her Kickstarter was July of 2019. Insane. So her delivery dates, 2019, that's a year after the fundraisers launch. Uh, the subset of our audience already familiar with this story will not be surprised to hear that to this day, there is no transphobia project. The it's unclear what was done with the money. Um, it's understandable. She hasn't gotten around to build the transphobia project because she has been very, very busy. What she's been busy with is, is her website, transgender map. And we're and transgender map is not the transphobia project. No, there's like no comparison between the two. The transphobia project was this very specific data oriented thing with a T index and an alpha and a beta and a blah, 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 blah. Uh, transgender map is just her normal website that has a lot of information about transitioning. And, um, what she has done maybe with this money, although there's no way to know for sure. I did reach out to her. She won't answer any questions about anything. She has seriously beefed up transgender map, not with information about transitioning, but with these profiles of people she dislikes, both of us included. Many of these profiles contain shockingly detailed biographies and personal information. Mine was the most detailed biography of me I found anywhere on the internet, much more so than my Wikipedia page. At one point, she had the names of my parents, my brothers, everything she could pull about their occupations, the date of my mom's death. I put the date of my mom's dress in the notes. That would have been much better than her death. Um, Mm -hmm. She took photos from Helen Lewis's first wedding that Helen had posted to Flickr. She put that on Helen's page. She regularly posts the names of the children of people she dislikes. It's, it's a giant stalking website. So it's not, it's not particularly good. I mean, she at one point said that you were Hindu. (laughs) She said my dad was Hindus, which would make me half Hindu, uh, half Jewish, a Hindu. Like she, like she saw the name single and thought it was like Singal. (laughs) You were from, and your dad was from India. It was great. She had, um, we talked last week about how I ended up backing off of a panel yeah. at Genspect, which again was totally my fault, but she on her website presented that as though Genspect had like canceled me <laughs> for being too controversial. Okay. So it seems which is sort of funny in context. She also has a bunch of information that would be like some of this stuff she's getting wrong because she's doing a poor job Googling or she's making stuff up in her head, like about Genspec or about your ethnicity. Some stuff, however, I think that well, she Well, we don't know it's making she's making it up. I mean, I think she's just a very poor researcher. Sure. I just don't want to yeah. But some stuff I think that she I think that she might have some sort of private eye on this stuff because she's gotten some some court records by a friend of ours that should that she should not be able to access, things that were expunged. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know anything about her process, but the level of detail is such that and also we should say, um, some public records are very easy to find online. So it wouldn't necessarily require a private investigator or anything, but so much detail, so many specifics on so many people's lives, and most disturbingly, the lives of people close to them. She's put real time and effort and research into this, which is why I sort of think that's where the twenty three grand went. Although I don't know about her finances, 
Um, well, she also has this incredible art that she has, I guess, commissioned. This was this project has been around since before AI art. The photo that she caricature. posted of me—it looks like something that a homophobic artist on a boardwalk in Atlantic City would have would have drawn of me. It's like I almost have a five o'clock shadow. I mean, it makes me look so masculine. Your your first photo was so anti-Semitic that I think she actually took it down. <laughs> I mean, like I have a big nose, but this was like something out of their yes. It was insane. And she actually replaced it with a different caricature. Yours was actually a drawing of the happy merchant. <laughs> it was it was really bad. And again, it's fine. I have a big nose. That's fine. But it was not. Yeah, she, she replaced it. One of the things she said, so when I reached out to her comment, she sent a very quick response, not addressing anything that I told her was going to be in the story. But one of the things she said is that the artist actually died. So I guess... She'll have to find a new caricature artist. Do you think that this was in the artist obit? Oh my God. Can you imagine the last? <laughs> I don't want anyone to die, but this was just crazy. I wonder if they knew what it was being used for. <laughs> the weird. weirdest, the, right. I think the creepiest thing I found was in addition to the, the one of you on your page, she has one of you and your wife. She did a caricature of your yeah. fucking wife and you two with like your arms around each other. How, again, just, just the turnabout test, as I guess Phil Tetlock would call it. Imagine you and I produced art of one of the trans activists who don't that would like that would sort of be it for us career like that would forever be As it sort of should yeah be. it's incredibly <laughs> creepy but andrea james can just do whatever she want and it's not that she has like a huge amount of ally support her people just won't say anything people just stay quiet on this like unbelievably malicious behavior um yeah so there's the helen lewis thing uh oh what i was gonna say is that like if a right-wing organization had a website like this featuring left-wing activists, so Ben Collins, first he would have to clean up the mess uh, and change his pants, <laughs> but then he would write a 10-part series on how that website proved America had succumbed to the grim specter of stochastic terrorism. Totally, totally. He would. Imagine if there was a page of Nicole Hannah-Jones with a caricature of her and really personal information. That Ben Coll- like it's just the, I'm just sort of sick of the double standards here. Anyway. What the creepiest thing again is that many of the people featured only have a tangential connection to what she's mad about. Um, in one case, for example, I wrote, quote, the page dedicated to one editor at a mainstream site who doesn't appear to have ever written anything about transgender issues, but has edited pieces James dislikes, not only lists their spouse's name, but is in fact one of the spouse's top Google results. Yeah. So this is the thing about, about Andrea James. So for some reason, and hopefully you'll be able to answer this question, Andrea James, this website that I would suspect that few people care about or go to, when you Google people on it, it is oftentimes one of the top Google results connected to their names. This was true in my case for a while. I haven't Googled myself in a long time, so I don't know if it still is. Oh, don't worry. I'll do it right now. Let's see. I'll do it in incognito mode. And there's multiple Katie Herzog, so it's not a clean test. Katie Herzog? Why is your OnlyFans page the top one? There's another Katie Herzog who is also on Andrea James' page. I feel bad for this Katie Herzog. I'm friendly with her. She's an artist in California, and she does. she's like very much a trans ally. And one of her art projects was doing doing uh, portraits of like unheralded uh, trans activists. And so she also has a page on this map, but hers is very positive. Okay, so you got your top result below your dumb Twitter feed is those people we tried to cancel. They're all hanging out. That 2019 New York Times story. Then KatieHertzog.net, which is not new. Oh, new. is that my website? Okay, Katie, so no, that's not you. So, that's oh, the no, artist. No, that's the marriage proposal. Oh no, that, wait, what? KatieHertzog.net 
has NFTs, work, blockchain, branding irons, voting booth, soft sculpture. That must be the artist. Yeah, that's the artist. Yeah. Then, yeah, your res- your results suck. Your third page is Katie Hertz I versus transgender people on transgender map. I did. So, okay, so still on the top. I did at some point. I made a URL for myself. I don't remember what it is, unfortunately, to try to get the. So not the. Um, uh, so are you sure you want to re- you want to like reveal your countermeasures off mic? Yeah, I don't care. So the other thing about this is that so. When you Google somebody, there's a little like about page on the side, like a sidebar. And mine was pulling from Andrea James. And that to me was more problematic than having like, you know, her dumb map come up in the top results was because that sidebar is like is very visible. And so in order to basically try to manipulate the system to not pull from her website, I had to create a website of my own. And I don't actually remember the URL, but at some place, at some point. You don't know your own website's URL? It's katieherzog.something. I don't know what. Uh, okay. XXX? It's probably .org or something. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I had to like make a fucking website. I have to pay the hosting fees every year in order to try to get Google to not pull from her shitty website. Yeah, there was another major journalist where that I brought this up with Google. Well, I'm jumping the gun a lot. I talked to Google. We'll get to that. But I, yeah, the this was like a major journalist and her knowledge panel was her transgender Yeah, that's what it's called. Page. Knowledge panel. That's not how it should work. Okay, Katie, just quick quick aside. I'm going to paste into the chat um, the entries for people also search for that popped up when I Googled your name. Okay. Four people with photos, just based on the photos, not your knowledge of them. I want you to rank them from least hot to most hot, okay? Oh, my God. All right. First off, uh, Barry Weiss, Andrew Sullivan, Hal Herzog, Jesse Single at the bottom. That's your order from least hot to most hot. Oh, wait, wait. You want you, you said from least? No, no, no. This is from hottest to least hot. Fuck. Okay. Sorry. Well- this sucks. All <laughs> at some point in like the pandemic, I did a live stream with someone from my kitchen and I just looked like shit and it was a pandemic and I didn't care. And that's the photo that will And yes. look at me. Look at my I look it's like this is like we're searching for this child molester. This is the last known photo of him and this often pops up as my photo. I don't like how I look in photos often, but there's better photos than this. This is always one that pops up. Your dad mm-hmm. looks great. He looks 10 years younger than he is. Andrew Sullivan always looks great. And then Barry Weiss is Very just cute. like, yeah. she's a pretty lady. I just hate how yeah. this sucks. Put this in the show notes. I want people to okay, see Okay, so when I just Googled you, you get people are also searched for me, Wesley Yang, Matthew Iglesias, and Helen Joyce, Freddie DeBoer, Grace Elizabeth Laverly, Hell Emma yeah. Viglin, Laverly, Laverly. Lavery. Lavery. Are you saying Michael Hobbs is in there? Awesome. So you're saying that I'm your Sam dad. Sam Cedar's in there. You're saying that your dad is hotter than me. R- uh, yes, Richard Hanani is record. in yours. Julia Serrano is in yours. Katie Herzog on the record. Katie Herzog thinks her dad is super uh, hot. No, I just said he's hotter than you. It's a low bar. Okay, yeah, it doesn't mean super hot. <laughs> um, so yes, the Google thing. This seems to be a big part of the point for sure. James is constantly adding new people to the site. And when she does add a new page, it seems to quickly rise to the top of their search results. One example I used in the piece was Paul Garcia Ryan, who I know. He's a therapist. He was trained at a major gender-affirming clinic in New York City, uh, but he also has concerns about the present state of youth gender medicine. He was on a panel at the recent Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine conference we talked about in the last episode. I was there too. Therefore, he's evil. Therefore, he got an Andrea James page. Now, one of his top results is an entry explicitly instructing his minor patients to cut off their therapy with him because he's so evil. So it's just insane how effective she's been at attacking people via Google. And often these are folks, you know, who don't have huge names. It's folks like Paul 
Garcia Ryan, who aren't that online, who don't have much of a Google footprint. She's also gone after detransitioners very viciously. Yeah. So we got an email a while back from a listener who told us that there was some pretty strong evidence that Andrea James was manipulating Google results. I didn't see anything about that in the article that you published from Unheard. What did you find? So the short story is that there's this web analytics tool our correspondent used, SEMrush. Um, and it appeared to show that like 99.99% of the backlinks to transgender map, backlinks just being a link from one web page to another, which is part of how Google determines where a site should rank, they all came from the University of Michigan page of Lynn Conway. She's a transgender pioneer and a computer scientist who also took part in the attacks on Bailey and Blanchard. Can we stop on Lynn Conway for a second, Jesse? Because Lynn Conway also features prominently in Alice Traeger's book, not quite as psychotic as Andrea James, but definitely tried to ruin the reputation of Michael Bailey and Ray Blanchard. And then a few years ago, the New York Times wrote this piece about Lynn Conway. She had the, the reason for it was because she had been fired when she came out as trans by IBM. And then 50 years later, they apologized because it was 2020 and it was time to apologize. And so they write, write this glowing profile of her, this piece about her. And they don't, of course, they don't mention any of this. <laughs> of course not. It's just like she's a victim. They don't at all mention that she took part in this like pretty fucking horrific campaign and ruined her enemy's life. People, people contain multitudes. Uh, it would have been hard to squeeze that in if they were trying to cover the IBM apology. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, so SEMrush, this, this traffic analytics tool, shows us that there are millions of backlinks from Lynn Conway's page to Transgender Map. And you and me are like, huh, that's weird. Our correspondent thinks this could explain why the rankings are so high. Um, yeah, because it was coming from a whatever Michigan's URL is, umich.edu or whatever, that gives it in the Google algorithm that should theoretically give it more weight and, and boost it in the Google rankings. Yeah, yeah, in theory. Um, in theory, that would explain her success, Andrew James' success at Google Warfare. But then later on, when I was working on the story for Unheard, I did reach out to Google to ask them about this directly. Okay, and what, what did they say? All right, so I emailed Google and eventually got on the phone with a couple staffers there and learned a bunch of useful stuff. They gave me one direct quote I could attribute to a Google spokesperson, quote, Google designs our systems to rank high-quality information at the top of search results and to fight spam and malicious behavior. Google search makes use of link signals along with many other signals as part of our ranking process. Our system for processing links is designed to filter out spammy links as well as not reward unusual patterns of links, even if they aren't spammy in nature, end quote. They also gave me some background stuff. They said I could paraphrase and attribute to Google, including that third-party data, here they mean SEMrush, isn't a reliable way to figure out Google's inner workings. Uh, they also said Google is intimately familiar with the problem of link spam and has countermeasures in place to fight it. They sent me a couple links I'll include in the show notes. They also said that while links between pages are one signal they use for their rankings, they're just one of more than 200. Um, overall, and, and please forgive me, Google, which controls every aspect of my life. I'm just going to quote directly from this rather than paraphrase it because I thought you guys summed it up nicely. Quote, generating backlinks doesn't in any way guarantee that a site will rank well in search. Our systems understand a variety of signals of spammy behavior, including the unusual activity and abusive tactics described, end quote. In addition to all of this, Andrew James' website has been around forever and has a lot of normal, potentially useful information that other websites have linked to. So if a website has been around for a long time and gotten such backlinks, that's a signal to Google that it's a high-quality website that should be trusted by the algorithm. So combine that with the fact that some of her targets don't have significant Google profiles 
in the first place, that could lead to what we're seeing. Though I do find it interesting that our pages rank so highly when we have, you know, a lot of other rich Google slash internet history. Right. I mean, mine comes up before my page at The Stranger, which is insane. I have years worth of content there. I just, I just looked up. Well, but we don't. Well, I don't want to interrupt you, but but that might not matter because we a lot of this. I think some of this has to do with freshness, with novelty. There's more than 200 sure. variables. We don't we don't just like I've realized in reporting this out that my own intuitions about how Google works don't really matter. Sure, but that's still not a. It's not an accurate. Uh, representation of my work or who I am. And so it is aggravating. Like I just looked up Azeen Gureshi. She's at the New York Times. Her first result is the New York Times. Her second is her own website. Her third is LinkedIn. Her fourth is Azeen Gureshi versus transgender people. It doesn't, It. Do, I agree that it doesn't seem right. And we should say that if, if you guys want to run these experiments, make sure you do it in incognito mode because that gives you the cleanest results versus um, your own search patterns or or pa- past links, I think could affect your results. Yeah, I mean, I that was, I, I mentioned her to them as an example of like, does it really make sense that a New York Times reporter, uh, it was her knowledge panel at one point, mm-hmm. the transgender map thing, although it's not anymore. I don't know if they did something, but um, yeah. Um, that being said, I just, wait, wait, I you, came you away mentioned to th- this to them and what they say. They didn't that I mentioned that in a follow-up email. I didn't hear back on that specific thing, but I mentioned it on a Friday. I will say on Monday when I searched for her, Again, that was not her knowledge panel. <laughs> I don't. I don't I have no idea if they. I don't. I don't want to hold on. Let me search it again and see. Yeah, now it's a National Press Foundation award she got. I. I don't. I. I don't like the idea of accusing Google. I'm just saying what happened. I, every time I've searched for it since then, it was not her knowledge panel. It was her knowledge panel at one point. That's all I'm saying. I. I have no idea what happened. Okay, so you believe Google? I. I do. I do because it. It would. First of all, it would not be in Google's interest to let search results be manipulated this easily because and because they have a long record of being familiar with the problem of link spam. And did they look into the specifics of Lynn Conway's page? I mean, the reason when we heard from a listener who said all of these link backs go to Lynn Conway's backlinks, not link backs, whatever. I believe the listener said that because this is a, you know, the website connected to a university, those are going to have more weight than other link backs, backlinks, whatever they're called. Yeah, and and that made sense to us. That's why we looked into it. I think that might be an oversimplification. It could both be true that Google treats .edu pages kindly, but that if it sees a bunch of link farm activity on an edu website, it it can still recognize that. Why why wouldn't it be able to? Um, So... Yeah, I, I want to be careful not to cross any lines in terms of what's like on the record or off because we spoke at some length on the phone. I don't know, half hour or something. The long and the short of it is that Google is in an awkward position when someone asks him about specific search results. Like imagine if they got into the business of responding to individual inquiries like, oh, why is this negative web page so high? Plus, it was a weird situation because as I acknowledged to them, I, the journalist writing this story, was also one of the people targeted by the site. Um, so the other side of the argument, if we want to steel man that, is that Google might have political incentive not to be seen as like giant air quotes, anti-trans right. by coming down hard on Andrew James or Lynn Conway. But I just I think that's a sort of conspiratorial interpretation. I found Google's explanation credible is the point. Um, so I decided... I told my unheard editor we should either keep this like really brief or just not even include the allegation because um, even just including it and then debunking it would have taken many hundreds of words and they didn't want this to be a giant bloated piece. Okay, so did anything else jump out at you from this reporting process? I mean, you've been talking about this for years. Uh, anything else? Just like the fear. I mean, first of all, it was weird and I wanted to like make clear that I wasn't, if this was just about 
a website saying mean things about me, I would not pitch that to anybody. There are plenty of websites saying mean things to me about me. If there's like factual inaccuracies, I try to correct them. But um, it was really seeing the number of other people who are getting roped into this and people's kids and people's siblings and my parents and my siblings. It, I just sort of reached a, a enough is enough point where people should understand what's going on. And I think the only real pushback against her page had occurred on uh, Twitter. And obviously the Ben Collinses of the world are, don't give a shit about anything that is seen as being on their side because they're hacked. So I was like, whatever, I'll write it and I'll admit that I'm in a conflicted and weird position. But what really jumped out at me was just like, that James has been able to cause so much fear over the years. I mean, in 2008, 2008, Katie, 15 years ago, Alice Drager wrote, quote, almost universally those who wrote to me, meaning about their run-ins with Andrea James, including sex researchers, asked that I not ever quote them or mention them by name. They feared being attacked by James as Bailey and others have been, end quote. So it was the same deal here. I spoke or corresponded with a number of other people who were aghast about their pages, but who didn't want to get into any specifics, lest more attention be drawn to those pages. So I guess the best anyone can do is just raise awareness about who James is and how she probably is not a good person to trust on these matters. But I really, um, I was disappointed I didn't hear back from Ina Freed and Mike Allen, who um, is a founder of Axios and still heads it, because... They're professional journalists. They're like really highly respected journalists who get, I mean, Mike Allen's a name brand name in American journalism. Uh, you know, Freed is a respected tech reporter. They should maybe follow up on this. I mean, they basically wrote a press release for this woman who called her enemy's kid a cock-starved exhibitionist. It was a real act of journalistic malfeasance, and I wish they would explain themselves, but they didn't respond to my email, of course. And of course, they're not going to explain. They're going to try to pretend this never happened. Yeah. And there have been, I don't know how much we should say about this, but there's a group of people who are trying to figure out what to do about this. And we've been uh, sort of tangentially involved in some conversations about this. And some of these people- No, no, no. I'm not, I have not, I, no, sorry. I just want to be really clear here. I'm not, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know what we can say. It's a, it's a, yeah, I'm not doing anything. No, let me let me like, finish. Let like, me finish. People, what people? Some okay. of the people who are victims of this want to either take legal action against her, or in some way, like get their try to basically get the site taken down. I don't think as a I don't think as a journalist that's no. a good idea. No. I would never participate in either of those efforts. It's just it would be incredibly hypocritical for us to take part in that. But I can also see why people are so distressed about this, especially if you Google someone's kids and this is the first thing that comes up about them is like connection to a parent who is seen by Andrea James as, as anti-trans. It's really fucked up. That said, I like I fully support her right to publish this bullshit. I wish that it weren't so highly ranked on in, in Google, but frankly, I don't think there's much that can be done. And I think any efforts to to get this site censored or, or to pursue legal action are going to absolutely fail. Yeah. I mean, first of all, as a journalist, if someone had actual defamation about me online and wouldn't take it down, I, I would feel within my rights to consider legal action. I don't think that's anti-journalistic. That's not really what this site is. What this She'll call someone an anti-transgender activist in a way that's completely ridiculous. She called Gordon Giat, who's like the founder of evidence-based medicine, an anti-trans activist. It's a ridiculous accusation, but in the American system, there's broad latitude for people to say shitty shit if it's a matter of opinion. And that's good for journalism and good for public discourse. Now, if I were, you know, I'm not saying museum as an example, I don't know what anyone's plans are. If I were Paul Garcia Ryan and I saw how this could affect my professional practice, I would be pissed as hell. And I don't have anything against individual people targeted by this woman. 
um, trying to do something to fix their search results. I just think, A, as a journalist, I'm not going anywhere near that route unless it, it rises to the level of defamation. And B, people tend to really misunderstand things like defamation law. Like, I don't know, we, we, we're on this listserv and it's just, we've mentioned it. It's a sex research listserv. And um, people really think they can like, that there's a legal avenue here to pursue, which would be my understanding of defamation law is there just isn't because it's opinion and it's public records. Um, now if Google wants to say, if you put people's, the names of people's kids and siblings on a website, we're going to punish you in the algorithm. I'd be torn on that. Cause like I could just see slippery slopes there. Cause I guess sometimes that could be relevant maybe, but, um, I just don't think there's any real thing to do about this other than to like let people know that Andrea James is who she is. Well, the other thing is that Andrea James, even though her stupid website is ranked highly in Google, she herself has very little credibility, as we've mentioned before. Of course, people who are just Googling and, th- and this happens all the time. You'll there'll be some debate on Twitter and somebody will use this website transgender map to try to discredit whoever they're arguing with. Um, but there's a newer site with somebody who for some reason does have slightly more credibility within journalism that I don't think is all that different from Transgender Map, and that's Evan Urquhart's new project. Jesse, how familiar are you with this? I don't even know if I want to give it attention. Urquhart uh, immediately wrote a piece responding to my piece on Andrea James that in addition to the characteristic spelling editors was just, it's just ridiculous. I, I almost don't, it's really pathetic what he's doing, but he's basically trying to recreate transgender map uh, just uh, we need right. another enemies list just so there because there hasn't been enough awareness of how evil we all are and we haven't gotten enough like threats and harassment so we need more of it so thank you to evan for that right and evan is i don't know if he still is but he was at some point on staff at slate was that it or salon which one of those yeah it was slate he might still yeah. be there slate um yeah so he's so, so this is transgender map 2.0 um jesse i did notice when you published your piece for unheart unheard and you shared it on twitter you got kind of dogpiled and not by friends of andrea james i mean the p the response the substantive response to the piece was um i thought overwhelmingly positive but yeah i i, I broke my rule i logged into twitter because this was the first like freelance piece i'd done in a while i was curious about the response people were furious that i called her a woman in the tweet i did i didn't I, she's a trans woman everyone knows she's a trans woman i really thought it was clear from context in the first paragraph well i mean everybody doesn't know she's a trans woman because most people haven't heard of yeah, her. i guess that's true um the first paragraph mentioned her being a longtime trans rights activist i thought we made that clear i did ask on her to tweak and just add a transgender woman herself to the first paragraph. But there was a lot of anger, A, that that wasn't clear enough in my tweet. Some people thought it wasn't clear in the piece. Again, I thought from context it was, but anyway, we should have just said a transgender woman because her being a transgender woman is part of the story. Do better. Do better. I'll try to do better. People were also really furious that I used she, her pronouns. We've been over this a million times, and we're not going to relitigate that, I don't think. Unless you really want to. I think I'm good. People can go back in the canon for that. <laughs> We're good. We, we've, we've discussed this at length, and uh, I just think I, it was, let me, how to say this. From the point of view of the people who are furious that I called Andrew James, she, you'd think they'd be pleased that there'd be a website like explaining who she is, that that would be useful to them. But instead, they spent a lot of energy being furious that I didn't call her a man. So, 
I just, I'm not sure that's a great use of your time at that point, but that's just a matter of opinion. And we don't do opinions on the show. We just do hard reporting. Parody spirals all the way down. Mm-hmm. All right, Jess, anything else? No. This has been Blocked and Reported. As always, we are produced with help from Tracy Woodgrains and Jessica, the 80s baby. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Although by the time you hear this, it'll be over. But I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I'm Jesse Single. And remember, if you think the website Transgender Map is bad, do not go to Transgender Rap. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, definitely go, don't go to Transgender Fap. Oh,